We've got some bittersweet news. Rick has accepted a new job, which isn't really a fit for the topics we discuss on this podcast. Because of that, we've decided that this will be our last week recording. We'll dive into all of that during the episode. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. All right, what's going on, Rick? Well, remember when uh, a few weeks ago, maybe it was a month, I've lost track of time, I said I was going to take a hard look at an executive opportunity with a startup company. Um Things have progressed, and I have an offer in hand, and I have uh, accepted it. So, wow. um, I uh, I will be starting in September, and I've got a, a few weeks, um, about a month, to get um, things in order for Leg Up Health. That's uh, that's some pretty big news. <laughs> How you feeling? I'm excited. Uh, you know, I can't share too many details about the specifics at this point, but uh, I'm. It's, it's a really exciting opportunity, and um, the plan uh, is to figure out how to keep Leg Up Health going, um, continue to serve clients, and um, I'm, you know, I'm happy to talk about that, but one thing I'd really like to do is um, find, find an operating partner of some kind to come in and take what I've built and uh, take it to the next level. Interesting. So you're, because this, this new opportunity is not it's not like a twenty-hour-a-week contracting it's thing. It's not a it's, consulting project. Yeah. It's a full-time, uh, full-time job, and then some. So your options are put Leg Up Health on kind of cruise control, where it's like use your free time to service your clients. But I assume you wouldn't do any marketing. You wouldn't try to grow it. Nothing like that. Or yeah, we, find someone else to come in and, and grow it for it, you. Exactly. In that first scenario, it's pretty much like no new clients. Um, yeah. Uh, only serving existing clients, which uh, you know got to do what you got to do. But I think, I think I've got the company in a place where it's ready to go in terms of someone coming in here who has a, some basic experience, uh, could, could do a lot. Um, so I, I'd love to be able to find that person. I'm, I think it may take longer than I have. So I'm sort of, uh, I'm sort of planning on cruise control, uh, for the near term and then medium term. Hopefully I find that person to come in and really help me. Just on the off chance that someone listening to this might be that person, I mean, what are you what are you looking for? I don't know yet. Um, I need to put more thought into it uh, to be specific, but um, I think there's a couple of scenarios I'm comfortable with. I think there's this could be a part time job where someone does more than put it on cruise control. Um, I think at the end of the day, someone that I trust who is interested in uh, helping to grow a very simple business um, that. Um, you know, wants to put in enough effort to make more progress than cruise control, but mm-hmm. I'm not so, because there isn't, you know, I'm not so concerned about the huge growth and having a ton of, um, you know, accountability around large numbers. Um, so I'm pretty flexible in terms of what the trajectory looks like, but I'm, but, but, uh, this, but I think, so I'm really optimizing for the right person. Yeah. Gotcha. I assume they have to be or would have to become a licensed health insurance agent in the state of Utah. Yeah, the two main characteristics are one, it's probably doesn't make a lot of sense if you're not interested in building relationships in Utah because it's a Utah specific thing. So you have to have an interest or a tie to Utah. Um, and the second is uh, you have to be willing or currently willing to get or already licensed um, to sell to, to, to market health insurance. Yeah. Hmm. And that's a big ask. Right. Yeah. There, <laughs> we have 200 listeners. Are any of them health insurance agents in Utah? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. And, and if, and when, you, when I say get willing to get licensed, it's like pretty much study on your own, uh, figure it out and learn. Um, yeah. and it takes, you know, I think if you're really thorough and studious, you can do it in a couple of weeks, but for most people it's a, it's a month long endeavor. Hmm. Well, this is big. Um, yeah. so yeah, one thing we're obviously going to have to talk about is, uh, the future of the podcast, but you're uh, you're off temporarily anyway, off the startup to last uh, tracks. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically not. Um, in, in a lot of ways, Leg Up Health is even uh, is going to be in a position to be even more of a start to last company um, than it was previously because there's even less pressure on it. Um, but at the same time, it may go a lot slower than it. I was I mean, already. the company might be, but you personally are not. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yes. Um, no, I kind of uh, i I look at this. Um, 
listen, my ultimate goal hasn't changed. I still want to build a business uh, that I own and that is a, you know, the start to last that I like. Um, I see this as a, as a way to, to do that um, faster um, and potentially even more successfully um, than I would have without doing it, which was a big factor in deciding to say yes. I don't know what you're willing to share, but like, why, uh, why, why does this get you there faster? Yeah, I can share like macro details of why this is a really interesting opportunity. One is um, comp- the financial opportunity is extremely um, attractive. The second is uh, the stage of company is uh, at a stage that I haven't seen before. So I've seen the, let's just call it zero to 50 now, uh, pretty clearly with leg up out. I've seen the zero, the kind of zero to one um, with Zane benefits. I saw the one to, you know, 50 to 75 ish. Um, but I haven't seen that 50 to 500 employee stage. And I'm pretty interested in that. And I think that this company will provide that. So learning in terms of how to build a company. I have to be careful saying that as the main reason. Um, but it because you can learn this stuff as you go, as you know. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I do think that uh, it will give me more confidence in uh, how, to, how to grow a business. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, all right. Well, you want to just... Any other like thoughts on that? I don't know. We, we, maybe we'll do like reflections and stuff later on, or I don't. I don't really know how to broach it. But um. well, you you mentioned uh, the future of the podcast. We've had offline conversations, um, and we've decided that uh, this episode, or um, maybe a, one final episode, will be our last uh, start to last. Um, so we will be uh, turning off the podcast. Um, so that's one decision we've made. I think one thing that's interesting about this is anytime you take. Uh, a new opportunity, you have to evaluate everything else that you're doing. And um, oftentimes, if not always, you have to make cuts. Um, start to last was, it's, it's a pretty obvious one because of the nature of, of the job and, and the nature of the podcast don't, don't really, um, they, they aren't uh, complimentary at, at all. And in a lot of ways that they're at odds. So um, it was fairly easy, hard, easy decision um, for the yeah. two of us. E- e- Easy in that it's the obvious. It's the obvious decision, but it's uh, yeah. It'll it'll be sad to to shut it down. Yeah, the, the, I think the the main there's two really interesting things that that I'm going to be that I've kind of thought about, like that I'm going to miss. Um, one is uh, you know just this call with you on a weekly basis. I think we could replace that pretty easily. Mm-hmm. The thing you can't replace is just the inbound help that you receive and relationships you develop from talking out loud about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I've. You're going to be uh, on a roller coaster. I mean, you're you're going to a company where you're you're not going to have any lack of other people to interact with and stuff like that. I have been thinking about what am I going to do to replace this, and I I do think I'm going to um, pivot slightly my Twitter and the Less Knowing Business blog to be like I kind of I think it was last week or two weeks ago I was talking about you know what should I do with the writing I do there, and I do think without the podcast as a way to connect with the kind of bootstrap startup community, I'm going to give myself more permission for my writing to do that. Um, so that's kind of my plan. That makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if it <laughs> if it goes anywhere. Well, it, it also kind of helps me too, because I it'll make um, the asynchronous nature of your newsletter and reading it for me um, more valuable. Um, and so I can reply to it more. It'll be interesting to see how much more I actively I consume your newsletter as a result of not having this podcast. Yeah, because we won't already know everything each other's exactly. doing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I do think a podcast is a special format. Though. I mean, we just did our hundredth episode, and we did a lot of reflecting there, so we probably don't need to totally rehash it. But there is um, like this parasocial relationship where w- when you hear someone talk for an hour a week, uh, no amount of reading a newsletter is going to kind of give that that level of like exposure to somebody. So oh. we're both going to be losing that. Yeah. Totally. Um. And uh, maybe, who knows, you never know what's going to hold in the future, but um, it's, uh, I think our plan is to leave everything up uh, so mm-hmm. that people can continue to access it as long as it makes financial sense to do that. You know, I've got a kind of question for the podcast hosting companies out there. It's, do they, what do they do when a, when a podcast gets to the end? Do they mm. just continue to charge the, the same hosting fees or do they have some sort of like archive um, pricing that... You know, th- it's probably in, for example, like Take Transistor, our podcast hosting, it's probably in their best interest to continue to have Startup to Last as a client, but I can't, the value proposition for what they're charging isn't there if you're not 
posting new episodes. Yeah, because it's we're paying twenty bucks a month for Zencaster. It'll be easy. That's what where we actually record it. It'll be easy to cut that because we're not recording new ones. But yeah, we're also paying twenty bucks a month for Transistor and. Yeah, I could see keeping that around for a while, but like we're not going to, you know, over the next 10 years, uh, we're not going to pay $2,000 or whatever it is to (laughs) keep it live. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, I think it would be pretty, I wonder if there's a service out there actually for archiving podcasts. We're just being like, we're going to download all the stuff, create a new feed for you and, you know, just cost of storage plus a little uh, margin on top. Yeah, the other question I had was, if you cancel with Transistor, do you lose your listings on like Apple Podcasts, or do they stay up? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to look into it. I'm planning on just leaving it up for a while anyway, because yeah, same, like, same. 20 bucks a month, whatever. But uh, yeah. we'll see. Uh, all right, so potentially last episode ever. Um, I think it probably is the last episode probably ever. Probably is, yeah. yeah. I think we've covered the the main stuff, so final episode. Final episode, Make all it, right. You better get everything, <laughs> you gotta get it all out right now. It feels so weird now going on and being like, well, I had this like random thought for this week. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, gotta, gotta perform here. Uh, yeah, I don't know, Anyth- anything on your mind? I, I imagine your mind's mostly just racing about the new thing, but like, wh- what are you thinking with leg up health? It's actually the opposite. I'm 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 as focused as ever on like a health and getting it to a place where it won't be um, where I can continue to deliver the service that my clients expect, but not have it be a distraction for my new role. So I'm under the gun in terms of yeah. having to do that. So I can give you a couple of updates and maybe um, we can you know go through your stuff and then maybe at the end we can just say thank you uh, yep. <laughs> in more detail to everyone who's who's joined us for the journey. Sounds good. So so. Uh, three things that I'm, that I've done this week already. One is I completed the help site migration. I had a question for you about this. Um, so I had a uh, help scout as my help desk and, um, a Webflow as, as the marketing site. And I just realized that it was stupid to have a help site on help scout because one fronts way better at the customer communication and solves another problem for us. Um, so we implemented that to replace the help scout, uh, ticketing system. Then we had this, all these articles that I'd written. It's like, they're basically blog posts. So I duplicated them into blog posts, did a little bit more um, than that to make them more useful in terms of um, our health insurance guide in the context of our health insurance guides. Um, but uh, my question for you was, how do you have Webflow, like the knowledge-based help articles and front integrated? Because it doesn't seem like there's an out-of-the-box collection integration for Webflow and front. Yeah, we mostly don't. Um, so when you say integrated, do you mean like when you're sending an email in front, you want to be able to like pull up a help article really easily? Yeah, we yeah. just don't have that. <laughs> it seems like an unnecessary thing. That was my takeaway. It's like, yeah, go to the help, like go be a user. Yes, that's yeah. what we do. You know, I think that these kind of integrated help site knowledge based things like Help Scout, they want to add stuff to make it feel like the whole package is working together. But yeah, I I looked at a bunch of different tools that do what you're talking about. And it's like, Okay, you save yourself one click. It and also, I mean, what you normally want to do is like like the content you should share in an email is different from the content of a help article. The context's different. So you probably want to go into front and write a bunch of canned or whatever they call it, snippets, canned responses, whatever it is, and just reproduce the most common help articles in there. And then if you need to link to something, you just go to Webflow and copy the URL. I agree completely. So that solves that problem. By the way, I just want to give a shout out to front. Um they, their product is amazing. Yeah. They, they have come, even since I started Leg Up Health and I looked at them maybe a year ago, they've come so far in just a year and they were already pretty far. Um, but like, yeah, in terms of multiple, multiple channel of communication management, having it in one uh, user interface, one inbox, everything being identical in terms of like the agent, the customer service agent's experience, incredible, awesome. I can't yeah. give them enough of a shout out. I totally like because I we were using front and I kept hearing people using help scout and stuff like that. And I went and tested it out and I was just like, this, this is it. This Terrible. is what you all are using. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like Gmail in 2000. Yeah. Is like that too early. It, 2005. Well, it, it gives off the strong, I'm, I'm sorry to be a hater here. Cause I know, I think help scout's a good company and I think they're sort of in our scene, but it gives off the vibe of, you know, like when programmers design software, it's like, okay, the database has these fields. And <laughs> yeah. so I'm going to make a form with each of those fields <laughs> one after the other. That's what it feels like. It's, it's the minimalist user experience on top of the database architecture. Um, yeah, exactly. And 
it's a, but but their their customers not me like they're targeting a very simple they're they're not too different than less annoying CRM in that they're a help desk for very simple I think uh, teams and companies yeah, yeah. Um, I'm thinking about writing a blog post or a series of blog posts by the way on like how less annoying CRM uses front because the the downside to front is I, I didn't do this personally but Michael who's the head of customer service at less annoying he's put in hundreds of hours like setting up what are the right inboxes and you know what are the automations that are going to move stuff from one to the other and it is i think probably hard to get like a really really good setup going in front i agree uh yeah that would be really interesting and especially for a small business type person um front out of the box is really powerful if you you know by itself and i think the realizing that is huge but then if you can figure out how to use some of the tools that they have built in to take to extend it even better yeah um so I totally, I totally support that. It'd be interesting also to like compare it and contrast it to other tools like Help Scout. I could see how you're going to become like a software advice site. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, how are you getting? Do you have like contact forms and stuff like that integrating with Front? I'm doing Webflow to email forms. So what ends up happening is uh, someone goes to Webflow, submits a form. That form goes to Help at Help at, and that goes to a front inbox. Gotcha. Can you just hit reply in front or is would that reply to Webflow? It replies to the reply to addresses okay. the person who submitted the form. Because that's the one integration we do have that like I built custom like we have a custom contact form that puts it into front and then sends a second email that it inserts in that I that the customer service person wrote. So the first email has all the info that like an admin should see. And then the second one is one you can actually reply to so that the customer doesn't see that stuff. Smart. If anyone's like, I, I don't think it's worth it for you, but if someone's trying to get the really robust front setup, I do think it's worth that getting that little bit of custom code built. That's cool. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I've done this week is leg up benefits now forged to leg up health. So um, if you want, if you go to the old, uh, old help article or old help site, it goes to a new leg up health article on www. Now, if you go to leg up benefits, it goes straight to leg up health. But if you go to legupbenefits.com slash employers, it goes to leg up health slash employers, which is the new affiliate program that we discussed. So now if um, let's just say you're an employer and you um, said, man, I really I'm in Utah, I had some Utah employees I'd really like uh, you to help them navigate health insurance. I would I would just say, hey, go to leg up benefits or leg up health.com slash employers. It'll take them to a page and they can fill out a form to refer a team member. Yeah, super simple. Well, and I got an email from you like 10 minutes before we started recording saying you're killing my free account on Leg Up Health. <laughs> so that's the final update is uh, I got through, all, I got all of um, my notifications out to freemium users on, on Leg Up Health, letting them know that their account was going to be closed and to let me know if they have any issues with that. <laughs> yeah. And, and we will just be in suspense forever since this is the last episode. How did people take it? We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> I've already gotten a couple of replies uh, and they've said, thanks for the note. I think there some people are probably pretty relieved not to get an email from me every month uh, that <laughs> like, has no value. I know Rick. I don't want to cancel because he'll be mad at me. But <laughs> yeah. do you do you have that? But I have all these where like I'll talk to somebody and then like they'll add me to their newsletter or something, and I'm like, well, fuck you. I didn't sign up for this, but we know each other, and I and you'll see if I unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you set up a filter for people. Like it's emails I don't want to read. Filter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I um I have gotten over that. I've just decided to unsubscribe to people. Um, yeah. If, if and and if they take it personally, that's their problem. <laughs> yeah, I should I should do that. <laughs> but some people like even if you, if you like don't follow them on Twitter or whatever, the, they'll take it really personally and they'll call you out on it. It's really it's like super strange. <laughs> Speaking of Twitter, I had my uh, second most viral tweet ever this week. I saw it, man. It was a good one. Both of my most popular ones have, they're kind of just startup porn. It's like, here's <laughs> how much money we're making. Or This one was about how little money we were making in the early days and how compounding works. But yeah, people just love seeing dollar signs. Yeah. Compounding into making a lot of money. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, I got I think, another. What did you say? Like uh, if by the time I'm 65, I'll have We'll be making fifty six or fifty five million bucks. Yeah, well, that was that was like as a response to somebody else. That wasn't the main tweet, but yeah, some, the the idea of compounding is pretty powerful. And uh, yeah, every once in a while, it's fun to just look at it. And yeah, if we ten percent per year by the time I retire, we'd be at yeah whatever fifty six million ARR. Once a month, when you get your numbers for the previous month, you should just write a startup porn tweet um, <laughs> and just that just have that on like the you know third or fourth day of the month and. 
just plan on that because you can rewrite the same thing and it'll still go crazy. That's not a bad idea. And I already do that internally. So every Sunday I send out an internal company email. And I mean, I share a lot of details I wouldn't share publicly, but I could pretty easily like I am already pulling out like, oh, interesting stat. You know, our average uh, users per account went up this month. Let's focus on that and dive into what that means. So I'm already writing a lot of that content. Mm hmm. Yeah, I should repurpose that. Um, yeah, so that's the update on Lego Pelt. So (laughs) I'll just wrap everything up with before before I pass pass it Mm -hmm. over to you. Um, my goal is to get Lego Pelt into a very simple, very focused company, um, such that someone can can come in here and really help me. And um, I'm I'm really close to being able to do that. I think it'll take another week. Um, but really, the main thing left is to update the positioning on the website. Um, and uh, streamline onboarding around a non-freemium service, but pu- purely focusing on Utah Marketplace uh, clients. So you said a week. I hope you're building in some time to just relax before this new thing starts. No? Dude, no, I've not at all. Like I have a Labor Day trip to see my family in North Carolina, but that's not, that's not what I would call relaxing. <laughs> okay. Traveling with a five-month-old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you come right back and it's straight to work from there? No, I've got a couple, I've got another week before before. I think you should try your best to not do leg up hell stuff during that week. I'll try my best. <laughs> You're not gonna do it at all. Okay. <laughs> um yeah, so I guess for my stuff, um I don't know, it feels like I don't know, this is a big big moment where I'm just breezing past it and talking about stuff that doesn't matter. But yeah, last leg up health update we're ever gonna hear. Where for for several years, and then you'll we'll restart the podcast one day. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. So on the topic of that that Twitter comment, you you talked about that ten percent compounding growth. Like I've kind of gone back and forth. I've I've mentioned on the podcast before that I uh, have kind of not been sure if what my goals are in terms of like th- the number of employees at the company and how uh, my understanding is around thirty to fifty people. You can still kind of be one team sort of like everyone can know each other more or less and stuff like that. But above that range, you can't. And I've kind of been on the fence about whether I would want that or not doing the math on just like what even 10% compounding growth, which is, I mean, that's like not much, right? That's public companies. The average public company does that. Um, I think it's unavoidable that we're going to have to blow past that number. So I'm kind of coming to terms with that. (laughs) And that's assuming that you just sort of hold a 10% rate of growth every year for the next, what, 20 years? Uh, yeah, 2025. 20, and yeah. you say hold. I mean, we're about, we're at 18% right now. So it, it certainly could be worse than that. We could plateau. But mm-hmm. um, if things go even sort of well, like even like less well than they're going now, I, I don't see a way to avoid headcount getting above that number. And you would never consider saying, oh, we're, we don't have any more seats left. Get on the waiting list. Yeah, I mean, so what are the options? That's one. Another is raise prices enough that it sort of naturally balances out so that you can serve the, the right. I, I definitely wouldn't raise prices that to that extent, I don't think. Um, yeah, get on the wait list just feels weird to me. Uh, at, here's the thing is, right now, the idea of being a 40-person company and like all the resources and the new projects we could build sounds fun, but that would get stale. Like I think growth is a part of what keeps all this stuff interesting. Even, you know, I'm not, it's not about the money for like, I'm already making enough money, but like, if, if you're not growing, things aren't really changing, I feel like. And if things aren't changing, it gets boring. And boring is bad. Boring is bad. Yeah. Like again, calm is some, some level of calm is good, but I, neither of us want full calm. I don't think so. Yeah, uh, it's it's kind of goes back into like the like paradox of pain and pleasure. It's pleasure is not pleasurable if it's not relative to pain. Like the highs and are only as good as the lows. Um, so I, I don't yeah. know. I I I, told, I subscribe to that. I I think like that's kind of missed by the calm no mer- like the the calm phrase doesn't capture the idea that in order for something to be a, a good type of calm, there's got to be some chaos. Uh, in front of it. Yeah, I think it's somewhat like a lot of the the com- the calmish companies are either trying to exit, like the goal is like I want to get to ten million dollars in personal net worth and and leave so I can do go do something else, or get very very rich in a calm way. Both of those build into them a safety valve where it's like if if you're greedy and calm, the greed provides the excitement. 
but I think there's this other like, well, what if you have enough? You you aren't trying. Greedy sounds too negative, but you know what I mean. Like, what if money's not what motivates you? Then something else has to. I don't know what I'm saying. I guess like society has normalized greed alongside any other thing, including calm. But like it hasn't normalized like weird chaotic ambition alongside calm. Well, I mean, if you fly up a little higher, greed you might be greed for money, but you could also be greed for some greedy for something else. Mm, mm. So I guess it's just whatever floats your boat. But people are people want more of something. I read. I'm going to go off on a wild tangent here, but mm. I read. I don't know if you subscribe to the uh, Enough Pizza newsletter. Um, no, but I, I I see it in your newsletter often. Yeah, I link to it. It's uh, like yeah, Enough Pizza. Uh, I think it's a very cool, like talking about the idea of having enough while still in a sort of like entrepreneurial, we're not like, it's not like socialist propaganda or anything, but it's kind of trying to balance everything. But there's an, uh, it linked to an interesting article th- this week that kind of talked about the idea of, um, status, like basically no matter what, no matter how much abundance we have in society, people are still going to strive for status. And so one way to like do this in a healthy way is to like, idolize people who are selfless. So like you, you're still striving for status, but rather than it being like, look at my Lamborghini, it's like, look at how my house isn't bigger than it needs to be or something like that, which I thought was an interesting way to still have these like kind of unsavory human natural traits, but like harness them in a way that's a little bit more healthy. For the same reasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Uh, anyway. Okay. Enough of that. Um, Okay, another thing related to this Twitter thread. So, uh, yeah, for anyone who didn't see it, it wasn't even a thread. It was a single tweet. I was just like, after two years, we weren't anywhere close to ramen profitable. The only reason we made it is because like we stayed in the game long enough for things to compound. That was the basic tweet. And a number of people kind of asked, like, how did you stay motivated? Like, I would have given up after a year or two, or two years of not making enough money to um, to get by. And it made me think... I mean, my answer to it, uh, I answered it, a number of different people asked the same thing. And I was just like, I didn't know it should have been faster. Like, there was no indie hackers. There were no podcasts about this at the time. It never occurred to me that it should have happened any faster than it did. And it kind of makes me feel sad for modern day entrepreneurs that they they know so much more about how good it can be that I feel like it makes it a lot harder to stick it through the the kind of unpleasant times. Yeah, it's almost like if you don't make it right away, if if you're following less annoying CRM's trajectory, then you're you, you have this embarrassment, mm-hmm. and you're not you kind of yeah, it's almost shame shameful um, that uh, and yeah, it's you, that would lead someone less to be less likely to make it through the hard, uh, slow growth ramp. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, like a lot of the very successful startups are started by very young people. Mm. Um, and it, it could be partially be like having more energy or having your finger on the pulse of where society's going. But I think one of the biggest things is you're ignorant to all of the things that can go wrong. And all, like a more wise, experienced person would come up with all kinds of reasons not to do it. And a dumb young person is just like, fuck it, let's try it. And sometimes it works. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, <laughs> of course, there's survivorship bias where it's like probably the vast majority of young people who try that fail like you're you're probably better off being the middle-aged wise entrepreneur but um you know certain things can probably only be done by ignorant people i mean that ignorance is bliss for a reason yeah um all right i'm going to go out of order here have you heard of datafetcher.com uh yes i have it's a airtable uh, tool yeah have mm-hmm. you looked into it at all i did um i, I think andy listens is Andy Cloak? Andy Cloak, yeah. yeah. He he he's I think he's listened to Start Flash before, and I've I've definitely connected with him on Twitter, um, and looked at the tool. I ended up writing a custom script to do mm. what his tool could have done for me. Um, but yeah, to okay. yeah, why why did you bring it up? Well, he he reached out to me, and uh, we've been chatting, and I I didn't I I was familiar with Andy, but I didn't I hadn't really looked into uh, datafetcher.com prior to that. Uh, and given that we talk about no code all the time, it just seems like a really nice way to. I mean, so for people who don't know, basically you can pull data from any API into an Airtable, uh, what do they call them, base or whatever, mm-hmm. and then do whatever you want to from there. Um, seems like a pretty nice, like, 
not basic no code, but kind of that as you're inching into low code and you're you know more technical and want to build kind of custom stuff that there's not already a existing workflow for seems like a nice tool to have in the uh, the toolbox. Totally agree. All right, so I just want to give that little shout out there. Um, okay, this is <laughs> this is going to be stew. I'm going to talk about this, and at the end of it, we're going to decide that this is the dumbest idea ever. But I've got to I want to bounce it around. I'm going to ramble for a bit just just to set the scene. Okay, so we've got whatever five six developers. Um, Working on, you know, the, the challenge of every business, how do you prioritize what you're going to work on? We've done it. We've got a priority list. Something is not on that priority list that one of our bigger clients wants, um, which happens from time to time, right? A big client comes around, and they're not, they're not client yet, but they're thinking about signing up, and they're like, we would really like this feature. And we're like, our normal move is, well, pay us a certain amount, and we'll, we'll build it for you, basically. But in this case, it's pretty big, and I don't think we could build it. I don't want to like push off any of our other things to do this. So I would only want to do it if we could hire a new developer specifically to build this feature, which would require $150,000 a year or something like that, like quite a bit of money. Um, this client has some money, let's call it $25,000 a year to put towards it, but not enough. At the same time, a lot of our other customers want, want this feature. So the idea I was talking with Alex, who kind of does biz dev and is managing the relationship with this client, and we're just like, okay, this if we built this for a lot of our customers, it would replace the need for them to pay 20 bucks a month for a different piece of software. We're like, what if we just charged them that 20 bucks a month until it's developed and then stopped charging them? And we kept talking through this. And basically, the idea would be, this would be a way for bootstrapped companies with an existing customer base to fund product development is to basically say, here's what our roadmap's going to be if none of you give us any extra money. But if you want, you can pay 20 bucks a month for two years or whatever the number is. And if 500 of you, it's like a Kickstarter. If enough people back this project, we'll take that money and go hire someone and build it. Yeah, it's like a Kickstarter for a business. Yeah. I'm curious uh, what you think about that. I mean, tr- I... It feels different in that um, it's it's not a, like so in Kickstarter usually you're funding a standalone product that doesn't have dependencies so there is some like different risk here where you're bringing a new person into the team you're you're committing to a feature that you wouldn't otherwise build if something it, it's kind of it's kind of different because it's got all these dependencies uh, mm-hmm. in terms of a feature is not a product um, and a feature is dependent on a, a lot of other things. Go, continuing to work the way they're sp- that you expect them to, but in concept, like why not? Like seems like it makes sense. Try it. If people will sign up for it, why not? Yeah. So I'm a little nervous. Just like, does it send? Does it signal bad? That does it seem like we're upselling people or like I don't know? It's it's pretty different from anything I've ever seen, and different is scary. <laughs> you know. I mean, it feels to me like. If you can't afford to hire a developer without doing this, you probably shouldn't hire a developer. The feature's not that like <laughs> well, unless, unless you're like either the feature is so critical that you need to build it and it's getting prioritized, or it's not that critical and it's not getting prioritized. And if you really want to build it, <laughs> you should take the risk yourself and hire the developer. So then it, get, it it just feels like this overly complicated thing for not a whole lot of benefit. Yeah, I think that's the main downside. Let me let me argue yeah. against that. If, if you took the other side, I'd give the argument you just did. Mm-hmm. But let me take the other side here. So this is not, it's not that it's a feature we wouldn't otherwise build. It's that a feature that, it's that other features took priority. I actually think this would be a really good one. We've already got it mocked up. We've been planning, we, we almost built it in 2020. This was going to be something for travel agents. Anyone could use it, but I think travel agents specifically are like, I won't use you unless you have this feature. So we were going to build it last year. And then the pandemic hit and we stopped. We took away the focus from travel agents. Um, but it's it's basically like uh, aggregate reporting. It, every other CRM has this already, to be clear. This isn't some like wild feature that doesn't fit into CRM. Um, and the thought would be, the reason we're not hiring a developer on our own to build it is because it's not like strategically the direction the company's moving in. I've, I've talked about this before that we want to move more towards kind of internal productivity, like chat, note-taking, task management type stuff. 
Uh, and this is more of like a sales tool, which fits perfectly with our product because it's a CRM, but it's not like strategically the direction we want to move in. So it would sort of be like saying, hey, customers, we're funding our strategic initiatives. If it's worth it to fund non-strategic but still really good product improvements, you can fund it. Does that change anything for you, that argument? No. I no? mean, it just feels like it's worth a try, but it does feel, it feels, I don't know. Icky? <laughs> it, it just feels overly complicated, like overcomplicating something that should be simple. Yeah. That, and, that's my main concern with yeah. it, for sure. It's uh, It's outsourcing a lot of, like running a business is hard and your customers aren't supposed to see the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like exposing them to it. Yeah. And you're just, you're creating, if you really want to build a feature, go hire a developer, build the feature, take out debt. Um, like, but, but hang on, I'm going to push back on that though. Yeah. Like customers paying money for something is a very, very good way to decide which features to build. Like imagine we said, here's five features, which ones would you pay for? Sure. I guess what I'm saying is <laughs> they're already paying you for something mm-hmm. um, and you're adding in another fee another accounting issue, another uh, commitment that's a, but different, but it's also different and therefore uh, multi- a multiplier of complexity than other pricing and other developers. And so it's not, it's, it just doesn't feel uh, congruent with the day-to-day operation. So I don't know. It just seems like there's better sources of capital than uh, a Kickstarter for a feature <laughs> Kickstarter campaign for your, for a SaaS product. Have you looked at these like reg CF financings that uh like Gumroad and the what's the bare metrics guy's new uh he's got a new ship thing. Josh something yeah Josh Josh Pigford what whatever his new thing is have you seen those the, the, like the, the personal I'm gonna go invest eight million dollars a year in startups thing or is that something no different? so they're raising money for their companies through it's crowdfunding but not the way Kickstarter's crowdfunding it's oh. like um. It's called Regulation CF. I, I haven't. Think. I don't know the details now, but I, I know what but you're talking about. They're doing this type of thing, and I, I'm very iffy on what they're doing because they're actually giving convertible notes. They're selling convertible notes through this, and I don't think there's any way these quote unquote investors are ever going to make their money back. So I, I feel sketchy about it for that reason. But their argument, there's something to it, which is they're like, we have a bunch of people who love and trust us, like. None of the other financing options allow us to tap that resource, which is a mm. better. They're basically saying, I'd rather get funding from my customers than from a bank. Yeah, but you could charge them more. Like, like yes. for the pr- product that you have. If, like, if, if, <laughs> if people want to pay you more, charge them more money. Yeah, what if 20% of people want to pay? Yeah. There's a different type of complexity. Let people, in that, let, right? let people tip you. Like,. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> you're you're not interested. Got it. <laughs> I, I, well, I, I mean, it's it's it just feels. And this is totally gut, but it feels like something where you've got a you've got part of what's nice about your business is it's pretty simple, um, and you're taking something and you're going, I'm going to just add some weird complexity mm-hmm. that that benefits very few customers um, and creates makes my business harder to run and may not work. Well. I mean, if the, if it got funded, it would work. You're saying people might not fund it. I'm just saying that a lot can go wrong with limited upside. You'll get to the feature eventually. Um, and if it's really important feature, it should be prioritized anyway. I think that's fair for this company. For, we, we don't need financing at all. But if you're a company that does, comparing this to other types of financing, a lot less can go wrong. Charge more. Than, <laughs> yeah. I, just I mean, charge more. Like if you, do, if, you don't, if, you, if you have a, if you need the money, charge more. Don't like say, I'm not going to charge you more. I'm going to give you, I'm going to have you f- charge a different fee for future developments. Like, no, you just need to charge your customers more. Yeah. I think that misses the idea validation aspect of this, of like, it, it kind of solves the mom test problem being like, well, it's, it's the same way I've talked about this really big client we have right now that paid us $50,000 to build some stuff. Every we, we've launched a, a couple of those things now, and we're like, "Damn, we should have done this so stuff like, already." So I like that. So that's a little bit. Di- that's a little bit of a nuance on this. What you're basically saying is, this big company paid a, basically a professional service fee for the for a development project. Um, my other customers can't afford to do that on one sum, but 
you know, maybe we should create a project that has a fixed cost and we should have people buy into that project. That's a little bit different, I think, um, in that it's not like this additional fee, recurring fee that the way it was described. So I think if you had like, hey, we have a project that costs a million dollars. We're not going to start it until we have commitments from our customers to build it. Um, and if you are a customer that, that commits to build this, we'll do something for you to make it worth your while. Um, but if we can get enough customers to, to distribute this across them to fund this million dollar project, we will do the project. That's okay. interesting. I explained this wrong because that is 100% the idea. Okay, cool. Like that's, I, like, I like that idea where it's like, hey, there's this fixed cost, but there isn't like, I, the way I heard it for some reason was a, like there's some other recurring user fee, like $15 or something like that. I was going to, we yeah. were going to say it's for 18 months. So it's, it, whether it's a fixed yeah. cost or monthly, it, it comes out to a, a, a fixed cost. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I would, but I, w- I would present it that way and say you're buying a, and, and I don't know what, how you reward them for that other than, you know, obviously they want the feature. So maybe, maybe it's worth it, but um, yeah. Yeah. I, so I, we, we talked through a few ideas there, which what, is one, let them use it until like like earlier than everyone else to uh well one thing we were thinking of is having like virtual virtual events for for backers would be one way to do this because we've kind of talked about doing a virtual conference anyway um anyway stuff along those lines yeah you definitely find out if people really want the project if they're like yeah this is a hundred thousand dollar project you know we're crowdfunding it go for it I'm I'm mostly bringing this up because I think it's an interesting idea, not because I think Lessening Serum is going to do it. Like we aren't a very gimmicky company, but there are founders out there who gimmicky gimmicks are their whole thing, and mm-hmm. I actually think there's something interesting here. I mean, it's yeah, it's why would you why would you do this? Uh, you you have to you have to be pretty bought into the community that the founders building. Yeah, th- that's that's the hardest part about this is it doesn't work for new startups because if you yeah, the reason we could do it is we're like we've got 25,000 people and like the amount we would ask people to pay is what so it would replace QuickBooks for a lot of users. Just pay us what you're paying QuickBooks right now. It doesn't cost you anything, but if you don't have any users like that pitch doesn't work. So mm-hmm. maybe there just aren't enough startup c- companies in the that A, need financing, and B, have the customer base yeah, already. It feels like you know the company who's going to do this is a company who doesn't want to raise prices but wants to raise prices. Yeah. Letting people opt in to paying more is different from raising prices on all your customers. But Optional anyway. price increases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, we can move on. Um, next topic here. Uh, we got a uh, Daniel Perkins on Twitter um, kind of mentioned he'd be interested in us talking about the build versus buy decision. Um, This is one every entrepreneur encounters all the time. And I think probably most people know what I mean by this, but basically, yeah, I'm interpreting this to mean you need some kind of functionality, uh, like a software tool or something like that. Do you build it yourself or do you go buy some SaaS product or something like that that solves it for you? Obviously, there's not a universal answer, but how, how do you think about this topic? Yeah. So I, th- I think it was that this was posed more as like a, f- if you need a f- to build a feature. So in the context of our last, our previous topic, instead of, you know, building the feature, you go buy a, t- a company that has built that feature and integrate it. That's oh, how is I it? Interpreted- oh, I yeah. missed that. Okay. <laughs> um, so, but, but yeah, it could be, it could be like, uh, um, also a, a, a new business that you want to enter into. Um, so for example, let's say that you're a CRM and you, it's maybe bigger than a feature you need, you want to add um, another you know, type of tool on top, then maybe that's how you do it. But um, I, so, so I don't know. Um, I've, I feel like if you're a tech company, you probably have people around the, the table who want to build versus buy and can build versus buy. Um, and there's all kinds of challenges when it comes to integrating. Although technical integration, Tyler, it seems easier and less risky than a technical integration plus people integration. I get really nervous about people integrations. Yeah, I'm, it's not clear to me. Sorry, I'm reading the tweet again. I'm just going to read it here. It says, basically, do you have an episode about build versus buy debate when it comes to implementing new features core to the business? I work for a team that functions as a startup within a large enterprise, and we often discuss this topic. So yeah, I guess you could interpret that to be actually acquire a company to get the feature or just like buy 
you know, pay 20 bucks a month to someone and, and embed it in your, mm-hmm. in your app. So I, yeah. it could mean either of those, I guess. Yeah. And so, I mean, at, at my stage, most, you know, I, I'm outsourcing anytime I can and licensing, um, at the, at the micro level. But once you start getting to be a big company, when you buy a feature, you're usually buying people too. Um, and culturally that becomes a lot harder. Um, I have zero experience, uh, acquiring other companies. So I feel pretty naked talking about this. Yeah, I'm, um, I've, I actually, I wrote a whole set of notes here cause I, and now I'm reading it and I'm going to throw those all out. But to me, this is actually an easier answer than I thought. Cause it says when it comes to implement, implementing new features core to the business, and I'm going to interpret this to not mean acquiring a company, but like renting their software, basically mm-hmm. Buy, buying some, you know, some product from someone else, unless it's open source and you 100% control the, the tech and like you can fork it and pull it off on yourself. I would never do this for something that's core to the business because then you're dependent on someone else's decisions for, you know, something that's pretty core, right? Um, this is, I, I'm, you're, you're much more of an outsourcer than I am just generally. I, I think this is, uh, there are like a couple of factors here. One is, is tech core to your business? And, mm-hmm. you know, you know, then the, 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 by definition, the core feature of that tech is core to your business. And so that's, that's one thing to think about. Tech is not core to leg up health. So it, you know, any f- tech feature we build is not core to the business. Yeah. Um, so, uh, second, um, stage of company matters. Like when you're validating an idea, outsource the heck out of it um, to get the idea validation. But then once you're, you know, at a stage of, you know, validation and you're like, I want to scale and you're, 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 you're ready to de-risk um, the business, then to your point, you know, don't outsource, don't, don't outsource or, I mean, but there's ways to mitigate that. Like what, you you know, who's the company? Um, what company is it? Um, do you have contracts in place that protect you in the case of certain situations happening, like the company gets acquired? Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are ways to, to mitigate the risk with, without building it yourself. Yeah. Uh, to that point, I would, I would say basically if you're, if you're in the validation stage and you outsource, I would view all of that as technical debt. Mm. It's like th- one day, if this works, we're probably going to need to replace this or at the very least, we're going to need to like lock it down, all that stuff. And so this is something we're going to have to loop back on and, and redo later. Depending on your aspirations. I, I think like if, if you're trying to build a, a million or two million or less than a $10 million business, that may not be true. You could probably license and depend on another company yep. for a long yep. time. That's fair. And and the other thing that that relates to my my final point on why I don't like buying, whether you're acquiring the whole company or you're just you know, leasing the software, basically. I find that um, building on top of someone else's design decisions limits what you can do. And so I'll use the CRM space as an example. We've had a lot of competitors over the years that you can launch a CRM in like a week if you want to. And the way you do it is you're like, uh, nowadays you'd use whatever login system, member stack or whatever. But back in the day, you'd you'd spin up WordPress. Like it's an open Mm -hmm. source product and you'd be like, WordPress is going to be the login system. And then you'd just get some open source calendar thing be like, okay, that's the calendar. And then you'd get some open source like FileMaker Pro ver- like type thing to build the contact database. And you just put them all behind the WordPress login and you'd be like, boom, I've got a CRM. I built it in a week. And then you your development grinds to a halt because mm. even though all that's open source and you can customize it, it's not integrated together well. You're living with someone else's design decisions. One person used MySQL as the backend another used Postgres. It's just really, really hard to build great software on top of I mean, I'm not saying don't use open source, but like, I think that's too high of a level of technology to to buy. Personally. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, what I was thinking about when you were talking was how um, one time when you when you do decide to, no matter what the stage you're at, when you do decide to outsource something like that, um, knowing how extendable it is, how far it will get you, um, and having that in mind when you make the decision is important. Um, will it get me all the way there? Will it get me three years? Uh, and, and sort of, I like to have a kind of a, a step two, you know, what, once I hit the limits, what, what am I going to do and thinking through that before I make the decision to outsource something like that? Yeah. Okay. So sort of generically, I think what we just said is if you're in the move fast prototype validate phase, you might do it, but you should view it as technical debt. If it's not core to what you do, you might be able to plug it into to your, your product and it, it'll be fine. But if your long-term differentiator is 
my product needs to do this thing really, really well, probably you want that in-house so that you can make it your own. Yep. Sound right? Okay. Yep. That's probably, there's way more nuance to this, obviously, but anyway, we're, we shoehorned that topic in because this is our last opportunity <laughs> to uh, talk about <laughs> listener questions. Um, cool. Well, I've got other random stuff I could talk about, although I feel like uh, that's probably a, a wrap on my anything I really care about. You got anything else? <laughs> no, I got nothing. Um, I, I mean, I'll just sort of transition to the podcast reflection. I I had a great time doing this. It was really, I looked forward to it every week. There were very few weeks where I was like, this sucks. Um, and uh, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss it, I think. Uh, and I hope that you know, if if you've been a listener, or you maybe you maybe you've found this in an archive somewhere and listened to a few episodes, um, you know, feel free to reach out as you have um, questions or or want to continue the conversation. I'm I'm still going to be a very, um, you know, hopefully active participant um, online and continue writing. And um, I, I, one of the best things that you know, obviously the the very best thing of this was developing the further developing the relationship with you. But the second best thing was new relationships. So um, I hope that doesn't stop just because we're not doing the podcast. Yeah, agreed. So you and I, we've said we're going to do what, probably a monthly call uh, privately. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, so you're still doing your newsletter. Still doing the newsletter. Cool. Twitter. I'll be on Twitter. I I don't love Twitter like you. I've tried to like it. I go through spats with it, so I'll be on and off Twitter, but I'm available on Twitter. If you, if you message me on Twitter, I get an email. Yeah. Cool. Well, I just, I don't have anything to add to what you said, but I feel the same way that, yeah, obviously this is bittersweet in that you've, you've got a very exciting opportunity, which is great. And at the end of the day, I don't, this podcast was great. I don't think it was like the most important thing in either of our lives. You know, it was (laughs) kind of this little hobby we do on the side, but it, it, the main thing I am going to miss aside, since I'll still be talking to you, I won't miss that. But yes, the, uh, as someone who's terrible at networking, like I don't really have a lot of professional relationships outside of the people I directly work with. This has been an incredible way to just get put yourself out there and make connections with people. So I'm hoping other things will come in and replace it, but we'll see. Yeah, it sounds like you got a good plan with the newsletter. All right. Well, you want to do the final sign off? Yeah. So um, you can review past topics and show notes uh, at startuplast.com. And I will not see you next week, Tyler. See you in a few years when you uh, when you're back to starting up to last. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>